From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. The Air Force announced this fall that its oldest bomber, the B-52, will be getting some major upgrades. Which isn't surprising, since most aircrafts in the Air Force have a lifespan of 20 to 30 years. And the B-52, also known as the Big Ugly Fat Fellow, or Buff, has the longest lifespan, lasting 58 years. Designed by Boeing in 1948 and delivered for military service in 1955, the B-52 was originally designed as a nuclear deterrent, assigned to Strategic Air Command during the Cold War in the 50s and 60s. It would fly out loaded with nuclear weapons, hold at a point in space, and wait for a recall message to come home. At Castle Air Force Base, California, the B-52, America's biggest and newest jet bomber, goes into squadron service with the Strategic Air Command. A wingspan of 185 feet, length of over 150 feet and intercontinental range, over 6,000 miles without refueling, combat ceiling of 50,000 feet and a speed estimated at over 600 miles an hour. Over the years, our B-52s have been taken off that nuclear alert posture. First, they were taken out of the air and put on ground alert. Now they serve in air support missions for our troops on the ground. At one point in time, we had over 700 B-52 bombers. Right now, we're down to just 76. On this week's episode, we'll explain what our B-52 bombers look like today, what type of modifications they need, and why it's important. Our expert is John Venable, a 25-year veteran of the U.S. Air Force, who served in three combat operations. Venable is currently a Senior Research Fellow for Defense Policy and Heritage's Center for National Defense. During his career in the Air Force, Venable served at 16 locations around the world as a forward air controller, fighter pilot, staff officer, and commander. He's also the former commander of the celebrated Thunderbirds. John, as an everyday civilian, I'm not familiar with the names of very many Air Force aircraft, but I do know the B-52 bomber, and I think that a lot of Americans do as well. Why do you think that is? I think because of its nuclear deterrent role. It it was uh, on many uh, posters back in the 60s and 70s, as in um, protest posters, that said this is a bad asset. We need to ban all nuclear weapons when, in fact, it was those assets that caused the collapse of the Soviet Union and allowed us to take all of those assets off of nuclear alert. So you've seen them, uh, B-52s flying in Vietnam. There were a lot of images associated with that as well. And so that is the bomber people think about when they have a visual image of a of a, a jet, large jet bomber. Yeah. No. Bands, cocktails, lots of things named yeah, after the absolutely. B-52. Absolutely. And great music. If you walk into a cockpit of a B-52 bomber, would it look exactly the same as it did in the 1960s? There have been some small changes, but um, if you think about round dials with with um, gauges that work just like a gas tank does today without a digital display, that's exactly what the airspeed indicator looks like, what all of the engine um, exhaust temperatures, all of the things that are associated with manipulating an airplane, fuel flows and the likes, are all what we call analog glass 
round dials. And uh, if you got in it, it would smell like an old airplane. Uh, you sit down, you look at it, and you go, this airplane was built way back when. And so they're in the process right now of upgrading it. Uh, both inside and out, and one of the first things they'll do is put a new glass, what we call a glass cockpit in, and so there'll be beautiful displays for those guys to manipulate and work from and uh, be able to employ their airplane a little bit more precisely. Yeah, that was my next question. The Air Force announced this upgrade. Is this considered a major upgrade? It is. It's a major upgrade. Uh, you know, if you look at just what it would cost to put new engines on the airplane, this recent upgrade is not that, but it's approaching the engine upgrade that they've been talking about for the last 25 years for the airplane. That would be a several billion dollar upgrade, and that's huge in today's uh, nomenclature. When you think about a total procurement budget last year for the Air Force was something like $24 billion. And if you're going to buy new engines for um, the B-52, and that costs $5.5 billion for the, the retrofit, if it's that much, that's huge. That's a huge chunk of the budget. It'd be more than um, 25, 20% of the budget. So uh, it's a uh, it's going to be around for the next 25 to 30 years. It's hard to think about that. They'll retire that airplane some, sometime around 2050 is the projections right now. And so we have to refurbish it, reblue it, and bring it up to speed where it can go and talk, communicate, and see things the way that their airplanes do. And right now it can't. So our adversaries, what type of plane did they have that would compete with our B-52? Well, they had uh, several, but the Bear Bomber was their almost exact look-alike uh, to the B-52. The difference is we had turbojet and then this turbo— This is Russia. Right. We have uh, turbojet or turbofan engines in the B-52, but they have an airplane that looks almost identical, only it has turboprop engines. And so it's uh, counter-rotating propellers out in front of the motors, but same mission, basic same altitudes, and really from a distance they look very, very similar. And uh, that was our primary threat when that airplane was designed. And if you look at a lot of things like the backfire bomber, it looks a lot like a B-1. It's like they get our designs somehow or some way, and they do. Now, is the B-1 a newer version of the B-52? Yeah, it's a newer bomber. Uh, mm -hmm. So I would say that's where the similarities end. Uh, both of them had a nuclear role, I guess, as well. Uh, but the uh, B-1 was designed during the Cold War, sweep its wings back, go really low, and it would go faster than the speed of sound at 500 feet, 300 feet, 200 feet. And so really hard to catch. Um, and you had to, as a fighter pilot, you could, you could catch it and shoot it down, but you had to plan it out. And if you missed it up in just one step, the B-1 was impossible to catch. So that's the difference. Uh, one is designed to go high. And drop bombs, that was the B-52, and one was designed to go really low and really fast, and that was the B-1. I want to give a shout-out to our listeners and members. If you're already a Heritage Foundation member, we thank you. And if you're not already a member, as the end of the year approaches, we're asking for your support. Without you, podcasts like Heritage Explains, The Daily Signal Podcast, SCOTUS 101, and more could not be possible. Your tax-deductible Heritage Foundation donation will advance free enterprise, limited government, individual freedom, traditional American values, and a strong national defense at a time when our nation needs these principles most. Visit Heritage.org and look for the Donate button in the upper right-hand corner. Okay, now back to my conversation with John Venable. 
So is it more cost-effective to do upgrades than buying new planes for the whole fleet? Yeah. So if you look at what they're thinking the cost will be for a new B-21 bomber, that's the new stealth bomber that's going to be the replacement for the B-2. That's going to be beyond $500 million a copy. And so if you buy a fleet of 100 of those airplanes, we're looking at the math gets really hard to consume, right? So you're looking at $50 billion worth of assets as opposed to re-engineering the entire fleet of B-52s for $5 billion. And you get to keep those for the next 30 years. Yeah, it's this is where you weigh the costs, right? You really have to go in and look at the logistics tale, how much it costs to buy parts for the B-52. And will there be somebody able to maintain that airplane and that part supply uh, list for you? That becomes harder and harder over the years. You know, the A-10 was made in the late 1970s, and getting spare parts for it is really hard. And so you go add another 30 years to a platform, and it gets that much harder. And so we're working it. The Air Force is doing a good job managing this one, but the B-52 is one to keep around for a while. How many other planes in our fleet need additional upgrades? Well, everything that's not – that hasn't been produced in the last 30 years needs an update. So how many of those airplanes are there? The average uh, fighter in the inventory is 27 years old. And so you're looking at obsolescence coming at the, around the 20-year point. And so each of the F-15s, the F-16s, and the A-10 to a degree have all gotten upgrades over the years – but they need to continue that refresh, and it gets more expensive and more expensive to sustain. You know, if you if you think about building a balsa wood airplane, you know, as a kid, and you cover that with uh, the paper, uh, and then paint it with dope. Inside of that, when you pull away the paper, you've got uh, spars and things which are structural uh, integrity of that balsa wood airplane. If one of those was to break or or, or just crack. In order to fix it, you could just go in and put a little glue in it, and it would be just as strong as ever. Well, you can't do that with a fighter, and the same thing, believe it or not, happens. We call them bulkhead cracks, and when that happens, you have to basically pull all the skin off the airplane, which is much harder than pulling paper off the side of a balsa wood airplane, and go in into each of the layers until you're down to basically the core framework of the airplane and then repair it, and that becomes very expensive. And we call those major overhauls service life extension programs. The uh, Air Force acronym is SLEP. We've got one for everything. And uh, so those are really expensive, really hard to do, and you lose that airplane for a year uh, going through that process on average. And so really it becomes a huge um, weighing thing. You have to sit back and look. How much longer are you going to keep the airplane? How much is it going to keep to, uh, to, to do those upgrades? And you have to evaluate every airplane in the Air Force inventory to do that. It's a lot. <laughs> so in conclusion, get a little political here. Congress has once again just passed another short-term spending bill. Mm. They continue to kick the can down the road with more continuing resolutions. Um, how does this affect the plan to move forward with an upgrade? Does it does it slow down the process? Does it affect the ability of our military to do their job? It really does. Um, General Goldfein, the chief of staff of the Air Force, has said this is the most destructive thing that happens to the military is having to go through these um, – uh, these mini budget battles and you do it year in and year out. And what happens when you get a continuing resolution is you can't put any new work on contract. 
And so there are several things with the B-52 that are on the edge of being let into a contract. But until you get a budget that's passed, you can't begin that new work. And that becomes very challenging. Now, if you're a contractor on the outside, you bend metal for a living and you want to bring in new engines, you want to build those for the service, and you're waiting on this contract to land while you have other business that you could be developing, it becomes more and more appealing to move away from the military and more toward the commercial sector. And that's where the, the real rub is, is being able to sustain that flow of parts and goods that the service needs to continue doing its good work. Congress needs to pass that budget. And if they don't, the service is going to uh, – all of the services are going to hurt markedly because of it. John, thank you so much. Thank you for your service. Thank you for joining us today to talk about B-52s and everything else we discussed. We really appreciate it. Michelle, my, my pleasure. That's it for this week's episode. Please subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on all of the podcast apps and YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Shoot us an email with any topic ideas you have. We really do love hearing from you. I'm not just saying that. We really get overjoyed at the emails we get from our listeners and the details you give us about who you are and what episodes are your favorite and what episodes you want to hear more about. Tim's up next week. We'll see you then. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.